The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Wolf and Bull podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Daremore Media, the Wolf and Bull, or its affiliates. The Wolf and Bull podcast is not responsible and does not verify the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast is for expressive listening entertainment. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Wolf and Bull Podcast. I am the Wolf. And with me is my laughing co-host. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Uh, and additionally with us, we also have, we've got Beowulf, the Irish Hello. blood pulsing through all of our hearts. Yes. Oh, uh, my God. I, I'm the reoccurring guest yes. that you've all been needing, that you you've all been asking that. for. Yeah. I know. I know. You just love to see me on the show. Yeah. Right You're yeah. Welcome. You may ask and be wondering why the bull and I are so absolutely flabbergasted. Uh, we have just recorded about three and a half minutes of the last episode, and then we got into the monologue, and I decided to say a giant swear word that I can't say, and we stopped the entire thing only to restart. So here we are again, Groundhog's Day, episode 83. Welcome. If you happen to like this episode, uh, you can find our content on The Wolf and Bull. At inst- on Instagram. On Instagram, at The Wolf and Bull. See, I don't even know what I'm doing. Uh, and you can also find our content on YouTube. We release episodes on two, on Thursdays, audio-wise, and Fridays on YouTube and Rumble. Good job. I don't know where I am right now. www.thewolfandbull.com yes. as well for all of that information consolidated. Yes. How's everybody doing? Great. I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm glad that uh, we're... Uh, Asking each other how we're doing again because we just did this, but you know what? Hey, for the <laughs> listeners, you know, yeah, listening pleasure. We're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, at this point, they're listening confusion. Oh, Let's just God. say, guys, I'm doing great too. It's yeah. just, this is a good day. These, it's a good. These day. two got the giggles right now. So giggles, miggles. Yeah, it really. <laughs> That's one dad joke. That's one. I had yeah. three or four. You did. You did. Yeah, we were doing an over under on whether he was going to be over five. Right now, he's at one because we reset the reset the counter. To answer your question, I'm doing great. Although it is a very busy week ahead, and mm. I'm a little bummed because I'm missing out on a live stream of something this week. I really, really want to see, the, but we can talk about that. It's a good segue. Murdoch trial. The Alex Murdoch trial. Alex. Mm. They just started jury selection, and then we're rolling into the trial. It's going to be about three weeks, I think. But uh, I like to uh, listen to these things live because I find them very interesting. Mm. Mm. Weird. That's very strange. And from my point of view, I wouldn't even known who that was. Uh, you know what? It's Which funny. is probably a good topic for discussion. Well, she tells me about these things all the time. And you know what they do? I, I appreciate you so much. Mm-hmm. There's a four-letter word that I would use in association with you. Um, Whoa. All the time. Uh, you can guess what that is. It starts with an L. Keep your mind out of the gutter. Um, and uh, yeah, so you tell me these things and they just go through one ear, not the other. I can't keep track. Just to brief you then very fast, the mm. TLDR of this, would, I guess you would say, is Alex Murdaugh, Murdaugh, I believe that's how you pronounce it, it's M-U-R-D-A-U-G-H, is a very well-known lawyer in, I believe it's South Carolina. Generationally, his family has been basically the... <clears throat> the big wig lawyer in the area for hundreds of years at this point. And uh, yeah, he's on trial right now for the murder of his son and his wife, which 
there's more backstory to this because his son was actually involved before he died in a very strange circumstance and where one of his friends passed away. Mm-hmm. So I heard about that. And if maybe you two don't remember, but I told you about this YouTube channel I discovered <coughs> that was talking about that case before this this guy was uh, charged with this. And yeah, so I'm very intrigued. But that kind of goes into what we're talking about today. Yeah, I know you're signaling intrigued. me to do the monologue, so I'll jump into it shortly. But as again, I just can't keep I can't keep track of all these cases. I, There's too many. There are. I just and, and in the that case, it's like one case led to another. Apparently, family to family. One case no, led we, to another. Yeah, it's a, it, you yeah. give me crap about my singing. It's a pretty it's high profile. It's a nice. pretty high profile thank case. You Duran Duran, like running with the wolves. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Or is that the name of it, Duran? No, hungry like the wolf. Running that's with the wolves. I'm pretty sure that's a no. That's a, running with the wolves. There's a movie. No, hungry a movie about like that. Wolves. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just weird. I, I, there's so many things. So many things. And and strangely enough, uh, your demographic specifically is just obsessed. Well, Can I'm here moms? to be. Yeah. They. I'm not a soccer mom, Generally. but I'm here to be as a resident um, expert in not really expert, but just <clears> someone who is. Maybe able to give some insight on why not only young women, well, but how it, why a lot of young women seem interested in true crime. It's kind of a crazy phenomenon from my point of view. It's, yeah, it's very it's like I, I don't really have a handle on overall why, but maybe again, like I was saying, I think I think it was previous <clears throat> to this restart. You know, it, it, I like to sit around and absorb what I can from this you younger generational people with all the knowledge mm-hmm. about these. We have too much knowledge. We have way too much knowledge. Too much power. A lot of garbage. Um, But yeah, I'll go (laughs) ahead and jump right into the monologue to give our listeners and our viewers some context. True crime. The often violent destruction of a real person's life. A real person like me. A real person like you. A 2010 study from the Illinois News Bureau found that nearly 70% of Amazon reviews of true crime books are by women. An ever-growing and incredibly popular genre, true crime has continued to grow its hold on women's interests. ABC's annual podcast survey conducted in 2018 revealed that 44% of podcast listeners listened to true crime in the past month, up from 30% in 2017. This study was strong with women in particular, with their listening increasing by at least 15 percentage points. In 2018, the podcast Wine and Crime reported that they get about 500,000 downloads per month, with 85% of their podcast audience being female. These statistics are not news, nor are they something that's entirely surprising. We live in a society that promotes fear, taboo, and the exploration of the unknown. But does that exploration have any positive effects? Some would say yes, while pointing to a small collection of crimes solved by armchair sleuths. Some would disagree, claiming that the collection of fear porn negatively impacts the psyche of the American female populace. With TV shows like You, movies like Zac Efron's Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, or My Friend Dahmer, and documentaries like Making a Murderer or Tiger King, I find myself wondering if our fascination with true crime has started to resemble something like an addiction. Frequently, armchair sleuths get the facts wrong, amounting to the effectiveness of anonymous calls to a local police station. Is there value to be seen there? Sure. I would be remiss to ignore the very large negative, though especially from an online bullying and or perpetrator idolizing perspective. In this episode, we've decided to discuss true crime and the impact that it has on one very important segment of society, women. Mm. 
to give you some insight. Because honestly, this is something that I kind of wrestle with in my own head. You know, I I go back and forth about sometimes if it's a good thing or even beneficial to listen to. But I also find myself leaning towards documentaries and these kinds of podcasts. And actually, part of the reason that we chose this subject today was my recommendation because we're kind of brainstorming some ideas for this podcast. And there's two parts of true crime. There's the mystery part, so the ones that are unsolved crimes. I mean, there's whole shows like Netflix has unsolved uh, mysteries, which existed before Netflix, but Netflix has sort of embraced it and, you know, Netflix decided it, whatever you would call that. And then you have things like documentaries about some of these famous serial killers who it's questionable whether how much of this is educational, how much of this is a warning of what to look out for, and how much of this is exploitation. Because then there's another aspect of this where people can fictionalize aspects of these true crime stories. One of the biggest ones I can think of is the Dahmer series mm-hmm. that came out on Netflix. I think it was in October. Um, and while that was fictionalized, a lot of it is aligned with things that did happen. And the victims' families came out, at least some of them came out and said they did not approve of the making of that uh, show. And while it wasn't a documentary, some took it and ran it with it that way. Yeah. It's, it's a very... There's there's a lot of there's a lot of grays and grays. You know and what though is interesting is is time passing has a lot to do with some of these things because there's been a a million different movies that I've seen that they always say based on a true story. Well, that gets more and more loose over time, and and the fact is is most fiction is based on a true story. It's just a retold story with fictional characters that has some analogous, you know. Uh, pathways to reality and the the question i always have about the demographic that that listens to these kind of podcasts these these murder mysteries and things like this why is it or maybe it is that that the same demographic would read mystery novels or watch same yeah well, the fictional ones yeah not non-fiction it's, it's it a, is very similar it's very well, interesting. but i think there's a difference it's it's almost like this Real true crime thing is even more. There's something about it. Personally, I love the idea of mysteries and there's red herrings this way and there's a a pathway this way and it's the old clue, you know, but in real life. And I think women are very good at solving puzzles to begin with. There's something about the, the difference between... I know this is very generalistic and will probably get me in trouble, but there's there are definitely differences in the way uh, genders think about things, or or you know, biologic genders At least think about things. Generally, I, yeah. In general, and I think part of that is is problem solving, puzzle puzzle solving, and mysteries. What if what are they not except puzzles, right, to be solved? So. Yeah, I, I think the the because I, I wouldn't really prescribe. I, I would agree with you loosely there. Um, I wouldn't really prescribe to there be that the, the concern for me really isn't so much about the level of interest in like a mystery or something that's fictional. The concern for me is the level of um, I don't want to say like dehumanizing, um, but it's very close. It, it's, re- it's, these are real people. You said they're, they're very people. They're real people, people like me, right? Yeah. Like and, you. And and they, we've talked about this multiple times this this podcast, but. There's this like dis, there's like almost like a cognitive dissonance amongst society in which people 
they don't think something would happen to them. They they think that they'd be prepared for it if it does, that they'd get away. That some, and that, that may be the case. I'm not saying that you should be like doom and gloom, like, ah, something bad will happen to me and I'll probably perish. Like, you, you don't want to say stuff like that because you don't want to live in a world like that. At the same time, like, there's like this almost like movie theater theatrical way of thinking that a lot of people have, especially today, which I've, I've noticed. Um, and they'll, they'll, they'll watch something like this or listen to something like this and they'll be like, well, that'll never happen to me. I mean, but wouldn't statistically... Statistically, it won't. Statistically, you're correct. At the same time, most people overestimate their own, not necessarily ability, but their how they would react in a situation that is totally foreign to them, and then underestimate you know their capacity to be able to experience something. If that makes sense, there are people that would tell you that that watching too much of this stuff, listening to too much of this stuff, trains your subconscious mind to focus on something mm-hmm. that maybe shouldn't be focused on. And that's, you know, I don't know what the statistics are. Maybe you have them, maybe you don't, but the, it is, are you training yourself to avoid what other people have fallen into? Or are you training yourself subconsciously to focus on the same things that got other people in trouble? Yeah. That's the real question I have on some. Well, that, and then, you know, what amount of preparation do you have for these things? I mean, like we can talk about all the statistics. We have some statistics on, on some of the, FBI uh, reported cases of uh, criminal activity. There's certain things I can't say. Um, so for like, you know, violent crime, we'll say like AS. SA. SA, yeah. AS. <laughs> a dyslexia moment right there. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, SA and then, you know, everyone obviously knows the worst one. We can just imply that. Um, and then for the one that starts with R, we're just going to say that. Um, so like there's statistics that we'll have that we can talk about, but the last thing we want is to be flogged by uh YouTube and they of course not. Yeah. So, um, but again, I, I think there's like this, it, it's almost like a lot of this causes people to see ghosts. And I don't want to say like, I don't want to say that that's entirely the case because I don't think that it is across the board. With that being said, I do think there is like a hyperbole associated with a lot of this, especially in reporting. I, I think you're right. People see ghosts because they, I mean, what is, what is the, uh, listening to a story, watching a movie, getting emotionally in, involved with a story, whether it's uh, uh, based on fiction or nonfiction, part of the element of that is putting yourself into the story, mm-hmm. becoming a character that and to decide at least mentally, what would I do? What would I not do? So that that's my point I was making earlier. Yeah. <clears throat> People start to see ghosts because they're psychologically, they're concentrating on things that have nothing to do with their life and have a very infinitesimal percentage of ever happening to them or even anyone they know yeah well and, and at the same time a lot of this stuff even when it does happen and I, when i when i say stuff i mean like stuff that's abnormal because you know having something having criminal activity occur to you is abnormal it's not normative for most people uh a lot by and large statistically uh so when it comes to events that occur like for example when i was in when i was in uh when i was in spain with beowulf i was smugged wasn't thankfully, uh, well, probably pickpocket is a better term. Uh, I wasn't thankfully in a situation. I was in a situation with her that I could have gone a very bad way with far five other guys. Thankfully it didn't. With that being said, I could easily go back and say, Oh, I could have, would have, should have did this. Thankfully I reacted appropriately with that being said, no one really knows how you react to something until it occurs. Uh, that goes to show with things like deer and headlight syndrome. So when it comes to like true crime stories, I think there's a benefit in talking about it. I think there's a benefit in even maybe reading about it from a educational perspective. I don't necessarily know if I align or agree with the, for lack of a better word, uh, bastardization 
of the 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 genre because it's more entertainment now than it is actual diving into the psycho I think, aspect, I think psychoanalysis that's, aspects. That's kind of it. one of the problems I have with it. <clears throat> Challenges I have with it is that it's it's been sensationalized yes. in such a way that now we're not even sure if we're really hearing or seeing the facts, and we can look to making of a murderer specifically. Or Tiger but, King. I mean, just Tiger like last, <laughs> was it this week or last week that it came out that uh, Carol Baskin's husband, husband just, was still alive just took and, off in Belize or something yeah. like that. So all the all the analysis of whether he you know, murdered certain people or, or whether he was murdered. What was it again? Beowulf was he, was it, he was murdered. Was that what the analysis was? Or he did some weird stuff on the side that caused something within her life. Do you remember? I think they were blaming her for some of it. I don't remember. Oh yeah. They were blaming her for getting rid of him. That's what mm-hmm. it was. So all of that, like the question I have for people is like, think about the effects that that had on Carol Baskin. She's a human being like granted. They, she Okay. Now that I am remembering. Yeah. She was being blamed. Yeah. Well, Which they, is, they were the, the documentary wasn't documentary. I guess it was Tiger King documentary was not outright blaming her, at least in season one, it but they implied it heavily. And then obviously what's his face was blaming her outright. Mm-hmm. And then it became kind of a meme. Well, like what, did Carol, Carol Baskin killed her husband? Well, what good's the story unless you have an antagonist, right? Well, and that's, and you got to create that. These characters are created, but they're using real people mm-hmm. and then creating this fictionalized avatar around them. Yeah. So it's not so much, in my opinion, it's not so much true crime anymore. It's more acceptable social bullying is how I see it. I mean, it's, it's cause, cause here's the thing. The justice system, I'm not a lawyer, so take this with a grain of salt. This is my opinion, my perspective. The justice system in this country is based around the ability to defend yourself if you're not guilty. And if we have a society that, you know, basically labels someone as being guilty of something before anything has ever been decided by a jury of their peers or by uh, the court system or by a judge, then the system itself is moot. I always hear people talk about the system's broken. The system's broken. No, it's the people that are involved in the system that don't understand how to utilize the system. If well, you or have, they a, understand too, too well. Well, how to yes, utilize that, it. I think that I think that I, well, I'm talking more about like mob mob mentality mm-hmm. here, and and I think that there's a, an aspect to that. Sure, at the same time, you know, if you have a you know three million dollar Bugatti and you never do any maintenance on it, and then it breaks down and is unrepairable, is the car at fault? I mean, it's the same thing with the system. And that goes across the board in, in America and other countries. It goes across the board. Am I saying it's perfect? No. But I'm saying the excuse of the systems to blame is a very lazy one. And I think that stuff like true crime, whereas it's not solely responsible for you know, arguments like that, definitely plays a part in a, the misunderstanding of how the system should work. Because if we all abuse it until it's broken, then there is no such thing as innocent until proven guilty. Well, I think you need to kind of define what is true crime in the way we are yeah. relating to it. <clears throat> because it's very broad. Incredibly broad. Like yeah. extremely. Yeah. So for our listeners and our viewers, true crime refers to the genre of nonfiction literar- literature, podcast, television pro- and pe- uh, podcasts, television programs, and films that focus on real life criminal cases and events. These cases and events typically involve such 
things as murder, serial killers, unsolved crimes, and other forms of criminal activity. The genre often includes the investigation, prosecution, and conviction of the perpetrators, as well as the impact of the crime on the victims and their families. True crime can also be seen as a way of understanding the criminal mind, providing insight into the motivation and methods of the criminals, and raising awareness of the impact of crime on society. Now, I think that well, true, is true crime. Is, yeah. And also just just speak up here. True crime isn't limited to, you know, murder. No, it's also like fraud. I think of like Firefest. Mm-hmm. You know, you've seen I think there's the Hulu one and the Netflix one. Right. They were like battling it out a couple years ago. So that was all about fraud. And then you have corruption, something like Icarus that focuses on. Um, I believe that was the Russian Olympic team and the doping scandal. And then you have white collar crime. You've got. Well, there's, there's my Tons cousin. Of, there's my cousin Vin, Vinny, starring yeah, starring uh, Sam. Thought Bank. about that when yeah. she was talking about South Carolina. Though. Well, it's this one starring Sam Bankman Freed and FTX. Um, oh, I can't ah, wait for so. that documentary to come out. But and then yeah. like Bad Blood that had to do with Theranos uh, or Theranos and and Elizabeth Holmes and mm-hmm. those are all consolidated under the umbrella of true crime. So really, it's, well, but let's let's back up a second and ask ourselves why this becomes what it becomes, because this this goes back to marketing capitalism and Mm -hmm. and what sells really Mm -hmm. so we got you got two ends of the spectrum we're talking about the the female soccer mom demographic that absorbs this stuff like you know water and then you've got the exactly and then you've got the the ones putting these things together that's you know what was the thing um the guy that had his son was killed years and years ago and he started that uh most wanted i think it was right Joe Walsh, not Joe Walsh. America's Most Wanted. John, Wait, what John are you Walsh, about? Who, whose son was killed years and years and years. You don't know who John Walsh is? No. America's Most Wanted was. I, th- so I think that's, that's the. He's mm-hmm. that. Don't that, quote him on that. Well, I'm pretty sure that's yeah. it. But mm-hmm. hopefully you'll get it straight. Look it up on something. Any, anyways, did I say Joe Walsh? He he was the guy. Look at the encyclopedia. Does one eighty five? Right. No, that's. Wow, your references. No, that's Joe Walsh, right? <laughs> Want to go get the yellow pages? Mama's we'll go look them up. Ride, there's 185. Literally right? no. I'm feeling like the Stardew Valley have any, episode. I can't I, believe I am that freaking old. I have literally no way I'm that felt old. like you during the Stardew Valley Walsh. episode. I have no idea what you're talking about. Anyways, America's Most Wanted started <laughs> with I know what that him. is. Yeah. Okay, that's the guy. Okay. That, and, and his son was killed years and years and years ago. He started mm-hmm. that. To, hopefully, he was trying to search for his son's killer, of course. But in the meantime, they've solved all kinds of mysteries. And it basically started out as, here's a bunch of facts on stuff. Call us. Yeah. And it started to draw crowds. Mm-hmm. And the more they brought in actors to play the part of a victim or a criminal and sensationalize that for the story behind it, the more attention it got. And the more yeah. attention, it, I mean, it's like anything else. Well, I guess Everything the, starts out as the facts, right? Well, Newspapers started out, here's the weather for the day. Well, I guess the question the question I have is like how, because there, there, was, there was like a, a significant polar shift, a significant polar shift in the last decade on this stuff. Because when I was a kid, I remember watching Americans, America's Most Wanted, and I wasn't sitting there like sympathizing. I wasn't sitting there. Well, I, mean, I wasn't sitting I there relating. I'm not saying you do, and I'm not saying most people do, but there is a subset of society that does. Um, and I guess my my thing is like, obviously, there's outliers, but my thing is like, I, there has to be maybe like a filming or a strategy or an intention shift because, like, well, you, you well, look at you look at like Chris Hansen. He got in, he's getting in trouble for actually like like he's getting criticized for putting a light on this type of stuff. 
And it's like, and obviously I can't say what it is, but you get the drift. So my, my biggest thing is like, how, how is it that we've gotten to this point where people will find entertainment in this stuff? And then rather than realizing that the people on this show are not paid actors, they're real people. And some of them are obviously in, in like the, you know, some of them are paid actors and the mm-hmm. interpretations and stuff like that and the, the, the scripts and stuff like that. But with that being said, like, how is it that we've gotten to this point where people like kind of overlook that? Cause it like, like it's like with Chris Watts. Cause it's not them. Well, but, they, but again, them. it wasn't it's, them it's with those guys. That, It'll it, never happen to me. It's those guys. Yeah. But it wasn't I get to like watch that from prior, afar. It wasn't like that prior to America's most wanted. I don't know. I think, I think, I think this is something that's that, that a lot of people have in them. You know that 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 watch a train wreck from a distance, and they want to understand the train wreck. They want to know. Oh, maybe I even know that person, but it's not them. It's it's happening to them over there. It's it's what you said it or somebody said it a minute ago. It's it always happens to someone other than yourself. Well, guess no, what? It can yeah. happen to yourself. And there's another set of psychological you know steps there. Yeah, I, I think uh, obviously it's just it's just it's it's fascinating to me. Now, you know, true crime has different categories, has you know different you know connotations, different designations in a lot of ways. But it can be taken, uh, it can take many many forms, uh, such as investigative journalism, first person accounts, and historical accounts. The genre has become increasingly popular in recent years, with many true crime podcasts, books, and television shows available for audiences to consume. Now, the question I have is, why are young women? so specifically interested in true crime beowulf (laughs) (laughs) on the spot and again you know this is generalizing of course it it seems to be i see the joke all the time like on on social media the joke you you've seen it where it's the audio of her leg was cut off her arm was or was cut off her head was cut off and then it's the girlfriend sitting there eating popcorn excitedly on the couch like that's that's a meme online at this point but I don't think there's a definitive answer as to why you can just speculate. I know some experts suggest that this may stem from the desire for a sense of control or understanding in a world that's often unpredictable. And speaking as a woman in her 20s, you know, there are lots of aspects of that that can be, you know, scary out there. Obviously, violent crime does not discriminate. It happens to men and women every single day, unfortunately. But um, there is an aspect of still to this day, sometimes I just don't like being out by myself, mm-hmm. especially in a position where maybe I'm surrounded by people and I can't defend myself the same way that you know if they're bigger than me or they're stronger than me. And usually women tend to sometimes be at a disadvantage when it comes to that. So did you, did you guys, not always look, I'm just generalizing. I'm broad stroking well, here. I, Don't it's okay. Well, we've me. got to generalize in this case, but did, did, <laughs> yes. did either of you two watch the BJ Novak? Uh, I think it was Netflix thing. No, I, I wanted to though. It was very funny. well worthwhile. Very interestingly done. I think he wrote it and directed. I'm not positive about that, but there was a statement during that, that I thought hit, hit so home for what we're talking about because he's, he's a podcaster. He's a journalist and a podcaster, and he's trying to be big. And I won't ruin it for you, but there's one line in the film. In the film, yeah. And and there's one line by his podcast handler, if you will, or whatever it is. And he's he's investigating this thing that he thinks is nonsense, but she says, "Oh, dead white woman, that's the holy grail." Oh, hundred percent. And that was I I I went, you know that that hits it so on the head. There's there's something. 
Now, there's a, a control and an empowerment aspect of this, I think, from the listener standpoint, the, the, the demographic we're talking about standpoint, because they, they can kind of think through and understand and control without being in the situation what's happened. Mm-hmm. But having said that, the most popular of those podcasts, the most popular of those movies always have to do with a victim that is female, mm-hmm. most often white, but not always. And I don't understand that entirely. I really don't. It's definitely romanticized, which is a really disgusting. Well, I, I think the the well, yeah. I'll let would you, you say that, romanticized? Yeah, rom- I would say, right say yeah, yes. There is there yeah. is an aspect of true crime, and again, almost all of it. It, it feels like this whole time, unless we circumvent ourselves on a very specific topic, it's broad stroking no matter what, because there's so many aspects we can talk about. But on its face, there is something to be said that our American culture today seems to center itself around typically a stereotype, stereotypically attractive young white woman being murdered. Yeah. It's It's like headline gold and that's it's a disgusting thing to say but it's it's it is a true thing think about um just recently these four young students Mm -hmm. in idaho who were tragically uh you know killed Mm -hmm. the reality is it was it was for yeah i mean there there was college it was like perfect headline it's disgusting it was four young people all of them were white all of them were very, you know, relatively attractive. And they were just, you know, quote, all American good kids, right? Do you think that, because this is, this is kind of what gets me, like, really up in arms about this stuff. Because as, as, I'm not trying to, like, toot my own horn here. I'm really not, but it's going to sound like it. <laughs> I, when I see anybody, I see that person as worthy of respect. Same with myself. Of course, unless they're a politician. I see them as worthy of my respect, like I see them as worthy of my time. I see them in most cases, at least for a little bit worthy of listening to. And when I see stuff like that, cause, cause we say it, we say it flippantly when I see stuff like that. And I think of those people that were, were taken from this world by somebody. I, I don't understand. I really conceptually and logically do not understand the interest that people have in that. If, just, just backtrack for a second, like true crime often revolves around some sort of violent acts. I mean, oftentimes, you know, you got the white collar crime stuff, but typically it involves some sort of violent act or or power imbalance of some sort, pretty much always. And while we talked about that need for control uh, or a desire for some sense of control in a world that's unpredictable, it may be particularly well uh, relevant for women because they may have experienced some of these issues themselves when they felt powerless, maybe not on the same level. You know, it could have just been like a, uh, you know, they're, they're interested in this true crime uh, whole thing about some specific, you know, serial so, killer. And maybe they experienced some childhood abuse in their home and they felt powerless. And now there is a connection to feeling like I can understand something that, was so awful that happened to other people, but I can make sense of like exactly what to avoid in my life. Not make sense of it as in it was justified. This stuff is never justified, but there may be a connection there. If someone who felt powerless, again, this isn't just women. If just someone felt powerless in the situation 
and they look at a true crime book or podcast or uh, movie of some sort and while they have this sense of mystery and intrigue and that's captivating it's also maybe helping them better understand something that happened to them so a sense of therapy in, 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 in like a roundabout way yeah that's a really and look i don't mean to get so like poignant but that's a really weird way of working through that because well, uh, because mm-hmm. you're 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 not necessarily handling anything you're just projecting onto a victim that it was a victim like you well isn't that what most people do though is they avoid what happened to themselves first to try to understand what happened to them yeah but i mean most, I, but, I, I think well, you I'm got an a, interesting i do point too here. i don't I think really it's do. i don't think it's not interesting like i do think it's an interesting point but that's kind of like if like for example if i had a family and this is extreme but we're gonna go because a lot of this is extreme the most popular things with true crime are extreme if i had a family member that was taken from this world i'm not gonna go watch true crime no, I, I won't. I so so. I guess the yeah. way the way I look at it is, where is that line of disconnect? Because I feel like there is a separation of, hey guys, this is you know this is not Mindhunter, which is totally fabricated. It is it is fictional. Now, granted, it is violent and there's moments, but this is someone documenting a basic, almost odd, uh, a biography of someone's existence up until their end. See, I, I, I th- think it's more about what's happened to someone themselves. Maybe. Then, but I can't imagine it's every single person. I, well, but, I think uh, that you're narrowing your focus in on the aspect of I'm consuming this purely for entertainment and I'm not considering that this person existed and went through something horrific. I'm not saying, they- well, I'm not implying that that's the case with everybody, but a lot of large numbers would suggest that that's the case with most people because they continue to consume it. Well, I, I don't think that's where you need to stop the conversation. No, no, it's I don't just, either. I just, I, that's just an observation that I have because it's, it's, there's certainly an element to it that is taboo, not just in the sense that it's, it's horrifying, but also in that, am I, am I consuming something that isn't bringing something beneficial? It's like, it's like watching reality TV, not, mm. I, not equating, you get what I'm saying? It's like a, it's it's how educational is a documentary that's just talking about the gore of yeah, some serial killer? Like for example, like making a murderer, Tiger King, both of those for entertainment. I can get like 100% say that the people who created those things came when with the intent of making something that was entertainment first, and then documentary second. Before we got on air, we were talking about attitudes today mm-hmm. and what moods we were in, and why maybe I was in a better mood than the other two people in this room. And, and I, I said what I often say about psychology and I'm no psychologist. So take this as Wolf would say with a grain of thought, a grain of salt, grain of thought, grain of thought, which is what psychologists a salt do. of grain. All psychologists talk about a grain of thought, yeah. but it's, it's about transference. It's about escapism. It's about having different things in your life that you have a choice to pre- continue to, to let them fester and not deal with them, which is what most people do is not deal with them or to transfer those anxieties, those issues, whether they're horrible or just kind of the normal day stresses and you transfer them out into a, you know, something you're listening to or watching or whatever the case may be. And I I know that sounds real simplistic, but I think honestly that there's a real component of that in this, you know, in Maybe this genre has more weight with the demographic we're talking about simply because 
from an emotional standpoint, is, is especially young uh, females, there's been a lot of people that I know that have been through a lot. And the degree of how bad or good that is, it's, it's different for every person. You know, something that happens to you as a person, as a young person, is just as bad as something that might be a lot worse over there or a lot less over there. Yeah. And so it, it's we all have our stuff to deal with. Yeah. And, and I, we all have ways to do it. Maybe and I'm, this is one. And I'm not saying, I'm not like, look, I've watched my own, I've watched plenty, plenty of true crime documentaries. I just think that there's like a, like a good one that comes to mind is Dear Zachary. That is probably one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. And the reason I say it's one of the best ones I've ever seen is because they had a lot of respect, a lot of respect for the victim. And I think that that matters because look, as much as I like watching stuff about, Oh, I don't really like it, but as much as I'll tolerate watching stuff about Ted Bundy or Jeffrey Dahmer, they're no longer just serial killers. They're like boogeymen. They're they're they they're, they're well, the, they become the, they, boogeymen and they've also become a type but, of celebrity. But he, and, and that's the thing I think is happening with a lot of these people. Like you look at someone like Chris Watts, million different podcasts about a guy who decided to do something terrible, terrible to his family. At what point is it less about you know the family and more about him? Because for me, I look at this stuff and if I, if I see something that's like like Mindhunter, I think that's way better in my opinion than something like like making a murder or tiger king because mindhunter is literally a fabrication in a lot of ways based on true events and i think that there's a suspended disbelief right like this is how so and so walked into the room this is how so and so talked this is how the conversation went way watered down less disturbing but then you go through something like Tiger King and it tells you the entire story and then people develop predisposed opinions about someone who turns out by the way is an innocent victim in a lot of ways outside of maybe some ethical decisions animal wise is an innocent victim that has been dragged over the coals for years I would say all of us came away from that documentary saying hey it's sad it's terrible because her life has been decimated in a lot of ways not all of them she's probably gotten a lot of good things from it as well but it's been decimated in a lot of ways because of it so i don't know i i I have a real real hard time with the the tongue-in-cheek online bullying because that's what it is it's like i get people have opinions and passions about something but if your life is in a lot of ways so bad that you feel the justification of taking it on other people that you'll never meet that you don't know you're just as bad as the people that did something like that at a lesser degree in the documentary. Well, I know, but not all true crime focuses on someone who hasn't been convicted in the court I'm not of law. Saying it, I'm not saying it does. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there's like this weird mobocracy byproduct that has very quickly sprung up over the last five years. And it's happened so frequently, so frequently with everything. And there's a jump to conclusions when we should just let the thing play out. Let yeah, but up. this is true crime that hasn't been solved yet. Some of this stuff is stuff that's behind us. There's nothing else to solve. It's just telling a historical yeah. account of something that happened. Correct. So it just really depends on not just the medium you're talking about, but the exact story or person or event you're talking about, too. Yeah, so maybe maybe I'm harping a little bit on like modern stuff. That's probably what I'm getting at. It's like stuff that has happened quite recently. Okay, well, if you want to talk about things recently, again... Those students in Idaho, Mm -hmm. they've arrested somebody who hasn't gone, you know, going to presume innocent until proven guilty is is going through the court system right now. 
However, before that person was arrested, names were being thrown out left and right online, doxing friends and family mm-hmm. of these these four students. I know that um, there was this infamous thing going on right now. There was a TikToker who was claiming to be a medium who accused a professor at the college of doing this, and that professor is suing that that person for they defamation. It, it got out of control. As so many things do. Well, look at you the know? John Bonet Ramsey thing. Mm, right? Again, right? Yeah. I mean that uh, her mom died before getting cleared of anything, right? Yeah. I, don't I think the, the I think the Boulder that, the Boulder Police Department has at least they've said that they don't think the parents have something to do with it. But but so, yeah, so again, we're all the jury, right? Yeah, we're all the ju- these things have turned all of us that want to consume this stuff into a jury. Now, if somebody's been convicted, and we can speculate till the cows come home, but they've been convicted in what we define in this country as the system, which I agree with you, by the way, Wolf, that the system is good. It's the people that corrupt the system. I get that. Mm-hmm. And that that goes for almost any system, right? So it's it's all in the way people decide to utilize or, or manage or manipulate those things over time. But the, we become the jury, so we convict or we release in the court of public opinion these characters. And when you turn it into quote-unquote true time, true crime, you're, you're convicting or releasing a person, a real person, and there are consequences to that. This is not a fictional character in a book. This is not a fictional character in a movie. This is not ripped out of the headlines and well, new names and everything. Yeah. It is real people, and that's the consequential nature of what we're talking and about I, and why it's difficult. I think the difficulty that I have is because you brought up the, the cancellation earlier, not wanting to be canceled over something. I was trying to be funny. I but understand, but that's that's, that's a side. <laughs> that's a byproduct of like this mob ideology mm-hmm. that people have. Like, look, no one is saying that people who've actually perpetrated things should get away with them. No one's implying that. No one is saying that we should let people, grown adults, people who are subject to the law, and sometimes in instances of extremes, people who are not over the age of 18, who are subject to law, no one is saying to let them get away with something. We're all saying let the proper punishment occur. And if it's an opinion, don't consume their stuff. Like that's a simple way of doing it. Because one, it keeps your conscience clean and it keeps you clean. And the reason I say this is because like, look, I know a lot of people don't, you know, profess to be a part of a certain ideology. I was a part of it for like almost 15, 16, 17 years. And I would still say a lot of the belief system of that has impacted some of my interpretations. And by a part of it, I mean, I'm not like really super practicing. But with that being said, like I've always looked at the scenario as just let the system do its run its course. I mean, you can be mad about something, and if, especially if it happened to you and you're a victim, you have every right to be mad about it. But if you're someone observing, you can have your opinions, but don't go out of your way to try and ruin somebody because it's not your place. And and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong about that, and if I'm wrong, I've got cake on my face I or think, egg on my face. I think face, your, biggest, your biggest qualm with all this is um, one of the biggest issues for sure and very valid is the idea that innocent people get looped into things, especially these unsolved crimes that armchair detectives will sit in and be obsessed over, which mm-hmm. I can speak from experience. I've definitely been one of those people who is like obsessed with figuring it out. Don't know what to do. I personally haven't engaged in doxing or <laughs> uh, harassment, but people do. People do. They start well, calling up workplaces. They yeah. start, they start showing up at people's nonsense. houses. 
under the guise of being helpful, but it's not. No, but it's not. But that's the thing is, it's not really, they'll pretend it's under the guise, but it's not really helpfulness. Is that the nature of our communication today, though? No. No, it's not. I think think it's a byproduct. I I don't think it's a nature. I think communication, especially today, is to get a point across rapidly. But to go out of your way to go out of your way to go and attack somebody because you feel powerless in your own life, I don't think that's a part of our communication. You know, this we've had a a theme strung through a lot of these different things about platforms, social media, communication, speed of life, the amount of as I say, garbage in, garbage out that we all consume these days. And, you know, back in when I was growing up, people would join a book club or they would or go touch grass. Read, they, they would read here. Honestly, this is, they would read. They'd be a, a subscription to a, a particular type of newspaper or a particular type of science magazine or an, a crime magazine. Those were actually available. But you couldn't just spew everything you wanted. What you do is you got together with a group of people that, like-minded or not, would sit around and discuss these things, argue about them. Maybe the groups would get larger. Maybe they get smaller. Now what ends up happening is the groups are millions well, and millions. There's there's something to that. I mean, there's a community aspect of this. Mm-hmm. Whether you like it or not, with any topic ever, you can find a community of it online and you can join it. Reddit is a huge place for true yeah. crime. Um People who, you know, do meetups, there's a crime con that is a convention that goes on for, for, for podcasts yeah, it is. that, that deal with true crime and people who are interested in that kind of thing. It's a huge, huge convention. Um, and most true crime podcasts, I think, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but they're mostly hosted by women, which if we're going back to the, to the generalization that young women typically are interested in true crime it might make them more relatable to that demographic. The fact that these are podcasts hosted by women, that is something to consider here too. Yeah. Well, I think, and I think that definitely plays into it. And obviously I, I want to like reiterate, like we're not going out. I'm not like trying to go out of my way to bash people who watch this stuff. Listen, like, I'm, he's I'm, married to me yeah, and I like make I, him like, watch every true crime documentary. I've seen a lot sense, of them so. and, and, and some of them are very good and some of them do a wonderful job. Uh, what I have an issue with is the, it's almost like a parasocial relationship. Like it, it's not like, I don't want to say that it is because there's a lot of intricacies in, in nature associated with that. That is, and we'll jump into it in a future episode, but that is like, that is tied to that. But it's very similar in the sense that it's almost like there's like, if people had the ability to become Batman, they would, that's what it seems like. And unfortunately there'd be a whole ton of Batmans running around randomly punching old ladies on the street because they have no direction or any previous experience with there is any only of this. One. There's only one Batman. Yeah. It's very good. It's Christian Bale. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's been, there's been, you know, it's just, it just, it's just an unfortunate byproduct because I get people's passion. I do, I get it. And I, and and in a lot of instances, I feel a lot of that passion when it comes to some things that I'm personally passionate about. Um, so I, I get it, but it's like, I wish that line just wasn't crossed because if you don't have respect for the system that actually does this, you, 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 you bungle up the system. And then it doesn't do it very well. And it, it comes to same thing with laws and rules. They're there for a reason. And some of them are, some of them are stupid. Some of them are dumb. Some of them are arbitrary, but then there are some that are there for a reason. And the more we keep poking holes in them, the worse those very laws and rules get. So then people like me who don't profess to be the perfect upstanding citizen, but also don't like going around breaking laws. They're no longer protected by those rules. They're no longer supported by the system that is supposed to protect them. So maybe call this selfish, but that's my perspective. 
So, so where I wonder what's happening is where this is all going as far as participation, because, you know, we talk about this stuff, whether we're talking about my day when it's third party reading a book or today where we're third party listening or watching something or first party showing up at someone's house and chanting. But see, so there's, there's one of the negatives, right? Does this turn people into wanting, you know, the psychopaths, certainly it'll show them pathways. Maybe they didn't see before because everybody's got, who hasn't watched a mystery or whatever and said, wow, I never thought of doing that. Or I would have never thought of robbing a bank or I mean, I'm not confessing anything. You want to rob a bank? No, I do not. But the fact is, is there's some really inventive people that think about ways to do things. And Mm -hmm. you're like, wow, crime can be a lucrative business opportunity. That's not what I mean either. Yeah. What are you implying? The (laughs) the imagination of people is incredible. But with technology, the way it's going now, the imagination can be brought further down the road toward realities and what i mean mm-hmm. by that is you can step into these things mm. the narrative of a of a lot of gaming that we had the discussion about before is to participate in something we had that big yeah but we can back talk. and forth about the yeah. criminal aspect yeah, of those. Going with this. no i'm not i'm not uh, trying to bring up that whole thing again. i would again. not do that yeah. i would yeah. not do that not a fan but, of gta apparently my point is, is that there's a melding of these things going on. Yeah. And there's a certain level of participation or participants that like to be third party, like to be outside, like to watch from a distance, like to understand, like to learn, not like to do. And then there's the periphery that's in this being larger every year Mm -hmm. that want to participate. Yeah. Not necessarily in the real thing, but they want the emotional, um, aspect of participating emotional stimulant yeah and there's i don't know i don't know what really the answer is i just i i i find myself the more that happens the more i'm just like i just want to move to mill nowhere (laughs) see people coming 50 miles away like that's that's like i'm like mad max just leave me by myself i'll see i'll be by myself farming and that's how life will be Beowulf and I on a farm. So I don't know. I just don't know. It's, it's, it's very strange. I, I think it's very odd because in a lot of ways, I, there's a point where I relate and then there's a point where I just, I don't. Like, I just don't get it. And there's a lot of data and a lot of studies that have put, been put together on this stuff. Uh, one of them from Amanda Vicari. Um, she did a study on true crime Amazon reviews. Um, now, I believe I mentioned that DJ. in the monologue. Mm-hmm. Um, and this particular study was published in the Journal of Social, Psychological, and Personality Science. Now, this is an older study. It came out in 2010. But that study found that compared to men, women liked reading about the psychological content of true crime stories, specifically stories, quote, where a killer was interviewed by an FBI profile or that you're trying to get to an inner working of a killer in some sort of way. Women were also more likely to read true crime books if the victim in the story was female, to back up the point that we observed a second ago. Now, according to Vicari, women all seemed to like reading about survival, whether it was preventing or surviving a crime. Research seemed to show that women fear crime more than men since they're more likely to be a victim of one. Now, my thinking uh, is that this fear is leading women even subconsciously to be interested in true crime per Beowulf's mentioning earlier, uh, because they want to learn how to prevent it. And that's what, uh, Vicari said. Now, I don't know 
if I agree with this. And the reason I don't know if I agree with it is because there's a lot of counter data, not to imply that any demographic is better off or worse by being a victim of a crime, because neither are. If one's happening more to one, it's not good for the other. I'm not sure why this is a disconnect with people. Um, now, interestingly, males, as of late, they don't really seem to be interested in true crime. Uh, it just there, There's interest, but not quite as much. Uh, not to the fervor that you know there would be said on the opposite end of the spectrum. Now, according to Statista.com uh, in 2021, now this data that I'm about to say was taken from the FBI, uh, FBI.gov, uh, there were slightly more male victims of violent crime than female victims in the United States, with about 1,456,310 male victims in 2021, compared to 1,278,390 female victims in 2021. That's not good. None of that's good. None of that's good data. None of that should be compared in a weird competitive way. It is not good for either. Um, that was sourced from FBI.gov. Now, additionally, the number of murder slash negligent manslaughter victims by gender was larger also than the female populace, with 14,146 occurring in 2021 to males, opposed to 3,573 in 2021 to females, with a smidgen of 35 of the unknown demographic. I now the reason I'm saying this, the reason I'm pointing it out is because it's interesting that the reactionary aspect is not there. It well, isn't. How much of that is man on man? Okay, you beat crime. me to it. And then how much man of it on is man and man on oh, man si- on yeah, woman. significantly man on man. And it's how much not, of that is woman on woman? Very little. Yeah. So, yeah. so here's here's so there's a gender issue. There's a there. gender issue, and here's the thing that I want to say is that it's it's actually rather than just being a gender issue, it's a social, it's a culture issue. I think that we as a society should care about both. They're both bad because no, of course. one, it, well, that's the thing is it's never stated in like MSM and all that stuff. It's always one side. And I'm not saying that that's something that we shouldn't pay attention to because there are significant discrepancies, especially in relation to the word that starts with R that we can't say like significant. And it's very interesting. Uh, and we'll have some data to support this in a few, few seconds, but it's just interesting that in one spectrum of society that is supposedly by data would suggest more likely to be a victim of a crime when data comes in that also points to the other entity being more likely to be killed in something. Isn't this partly, though, a societal view on fragility and innocence even? Maybe that's the wrong word, but, you know, your statistics were very interesting there, especially because there's a greater population of females in this country than males. Mm Mm-hmm by a couple percentage points but the the fact that i mean think about it this way i know people that would rather see another person die than a small dog i know a lot of people that are more emotionally challenged by watching a quote-unquote innocent cute little always mammal Almost always. Yeah, well, nobody about worries about a forget fish or a bug yeah. getting squashed for the most part. So there's a, there's a, uh, I, I don't know the right term, but there's a hierarchy of, I said fragility, but that's, that's, I think the right word for this that is kind of viewed from our society. And this is all speculation, of course. So when we, when we as a society view that there's, and from a, a female standpoint, looking at this stuff, it goes back to the empowerment thing that I think you mentioned earlier, Bale. There's a lack of feeling of power because of the viewpoint of our culture of the, that gender. 
And because that's there, maybe there's a feeling when, when you watch a female uh, in a movie or something be the hero or heroine, and when you when you see something that's happened to one, you're more emotionally tied up into that character because of that hierarchy. Does that make any sense? No, it does. I, I think the follow-up question I have is, does that create a cycle of negativity? Because or positivity, because I mean, obviously there's, there's, there's aspects of that that are positive. There's aspects of that that are negative. If I walk down the street and I think that everyone on the street's about to attack me, what worldview does that create for me? The question isn't thinking everybody's going to attack you. The question is, is if you two were walking down the same street by yourselves Mm -hmm. individually, you would think less about being attacked than she would. Well, also consider... Which okay, would make me incorrect. You mentioned... The, that the, may be, but that's You that mentioned the time we were, we were in Spain and we were a victim of a crime. And we were together when that happened. Mm-hmm. And we were in an alleyway when that happened. And we were alone with, I think it was three, five, four, five, five, guys. five guys when it happened to us. It was a couple of years ago. Uh, we were together when it happened. And, and thank God you were there because... I don't know what would have happened if I was by myself. Yeah, but but here's but here's on the and that's true. I'm not saying that that's that's good or bad. But if we're going to play the perseverance thing, what if one of them had taken out a knife? Well, right. Either both of us or one of us, and the likelihood it would be me because I was closer. So from a from a guy's perspective, I'm not saying either is good. They're both terrible. Again, I want to reiterate that I'm not trying to play like this. Well, one is but like no, they're both bad like i don't want anyone to go through something like i did because it's traumatizing it's not fun it's not a good time ruined that part of the trip like i, I never want to go back to spain now because of it uh, and i don't barcelona is a beautiful city and i don't ever want to return oh, he because said of it. it right um Such so a cultured so man. like so my, my biggest thing is like i don't know why there's like this just complete ignoring of something like that because as i said earlier and to your point a second ago most people they overestimate how they would react and then underestimate or something like, or how they would you know react in a specific instance and then underestimate what they would actually do in that instance, if that makes sense. It's a weird kind of psychological thing. Because part of me haven't, wanted to fight haven't, the guy. Haven't we all, either after an event like that or having watched something like a true crime, thought to ourselves, what would we do? Oh, yeah. yeah you wouldn't, part of the game? Yeah, but from a psychological perspective... You wouldn't know what to do. Most people don't. Yeah, but if you I mean, didn't watch that, if you didn't see the the true crime or even the, the false narrative in a book or a movie or whatever, mm. if you hadn't watched that, you wouldn't even be able to f- define what you would or would not do because you'd never even have watched it happen. I don't. I don't necessarily know if that's the case. And, and I don't. Yeah, I think it's I, I, well, the reason it's flight or flight. Well, it's fight, fight or, or flight. flight yeah, but the reason the reason I say that is like so. For example, and, and maybe this is. Maybe it's like a side adjacent like qualm with what you just said because I, I I get your point I agree with that like for example without TV people were taught to farm they were taught to hunt they were taught to fight and defend themselves with TV we watch other people do that and there are some people that go out of their way to learn that stuff I'd like to be in that group I'd like to go and learn those type of things I find myself being fascinated with learning how to be you know useful outside and outdoors and in instances where that type of skill is required a lot of people don't have that skill. And if the structure fell apart tomorrow, almost everybody would be in a lot of trouble because of it. So the way I look at it, no, it wasn't. Unfortunately, do you know how to make fire for the most part? Yeah. Without a match. Yeah. Without a flint. Yeah. Do you? I mean, I can't do it like perfectly every time, but I have an idea. You know how Uh, I've seen people do it in person in person. I've seen people do it. 
Okay. I've never watched anybody in person make a fire without anything mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. But I have a better percentage chance of making a fire because I've seen it done on TV or on a movie or whatever multiple, multiple times. So I know at least but, what to do to try to make a fire. My point of this is not because I want to make a fire. No, yeah. My point is just like anything else, we learn through watching others but you do. Could, but you could also have a less likely chance of knowing how to do it because you saw something that was incorrect. Well, I mean, like yes, you get, it goes you both ways, right? A hundred different times, you, our, our brains watch this stuff and they decide what's the most likely. Yeah, so if, you, if you only see once by one guy that you were out in the woods with, not... Boy Scouts, but camping or whatever, and he did it incorrectly. You'd never know how to do it because you've only seen yeah, it once. Yeah, but but that but again, that's that's still. I, I guess I get what you're saying, but that, I think that accounts for a lot of the problems we have in society. People have seen so many things over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Some of them are correct. Some of them are factual, but then you've got instances where someone has manipulated something mm-hmm. to make it easier or seem more likely that that thing happens. Mm-hmm. There's negatives to that, big negatives. Because, like for example, for from a guy's perspective, if I went down the, if I walked down the street and I some saw somebody walking towards me who is larger than me, I wouldn't really think anything of it. If they're acting weird, that's when I start to think something of it. If they're doing things that are not normative, I think there's a discrepancy there, maybe in demographic. I'm not saying that that's the case. What if you were walking down the street and you saw a leprechaun with a knife? Well, there's a, there's actually a meme on this. There, there's, there's, a, there's, there's, there's a meme on this where this guy's like really mean looking guy walking down the street. And like and then he shows him walking down the street and some normal guy walks up to him. And the normal guy's like, whoa, and he crosses the other street. And then the mean looking guy's walking down the street. And then he sees like a really weird looking killer clown. And then the killer, he will cross the other street. And then the killer clown's walking down the street. And he sees like, I don't know, something ridiculous, like a little dog. And he's like, oh, and he crosses. It's just a weird kind of social psychological thing that I think but, a lot of people go I through. I think the point I'm making by bringing that up and you made my point by yeah, continuing yeah. that meme is that we all judge our circumstances and we evaluate our risk tolerance based on everything that's happening around us all the time and i and i think the more data that we get put into us the more off the track we can go but also the more on track we can go depends and yep. that goes back to what we were talking about with this true crime and the sensationalization of it the romanticization of it well, that's what the problem really is. It's not that you're seeing more of this stuff and understanding that you, if you watched a hundred shows on how to walk down this street with confidence and protect yourself, well, I mean, that may be right or may be wrong, but at least you change your point of view on walking down that street. Well, there's there's pros and cons to true crime digestion, I guess the word mm-hmm. you could use. Consumption, yeah. Uh, and focusing on it can be dangerous, you know, I, there's there's pros that we'll get into as well, but it can perpetuate harmful stereotypes, misconceptions about criminals and, and crimes like you've been talking about. Like maybe you're you're taking precautions, but maybe you're taking it too far. You're seeing someone, you know, I'm five foot two. I see someone who's six foot five walking towards me and I'm automatically assuming they're going to attack me. Likely not. That's taking it too far, right? Mm-hmm. There's a difference between like, being situationally aware of what's going on around you and being afraid, um, judging someone for something that is, you know, 
this person can't help they're taller and bigger mm-hmm. than me yeah you know it, it, there's there's well, a, there's a difference between the two things i think i think what it does is it causes people to believe that something would happen from them from a complete stranger when the likelihood is it happens from people they know it's stranger and, danger well, right, stranger well, it, danger it heightens element. that yeah. so based on the word that starts with R that we can't mention um data from fbi.gov has actually shown a skyrocket in that since 2012 uh in 2012 there was about 85,000 or so cases and allegations um and in 2021 there were 144,000 i think it's about 143.5 per 1,000 or 100,000 individuals would be this number if i remember correctly or maybe 1,000 individuals so the number has jumped significantly um now obviously right around that same time period uh in 2012 maybe 2017 a few years after uh, afterwards that me too movement came out hashtag me too with the harvey weinstein allegations obviously i don't know what if i think any, he was convicted impact. actually thank god uh, at least in one that guy should rot in jail um i don't know what if any impact that had on that but I do think it is quite fascinating that there is almost a it's like I was looking at the, the charts. So I'll put it over here. It was a sharp, 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 sharp spike, um, which is just kind of abnormal in a lot of ways, because then people and obviously you could say, well, people weren't reporting it and stuff like that. And that may be true. That may be true. Not saying it is or isn't just merely pointing out that it's just it's abnormal to see that high of a rise in such a short period of time. Well, unfortunately, um, I think, yeah, you, you can't deny that that false allegations exist. It's it's a, it's sad because it well, well here's, it makes all the legitimate things disingenuous. It, it totally yeah. ruins the people who need justice for things that happen to them. But I do think there is an element of people became more um hyper focused well hyper focused but also i think people were reporting more often because they felt like it was a safer environment and well, that maybe people were yeah. more likely to listen and, and support them through it than maybe previously. maybe and that, that that and here's the thing is i don't know how you really indicate that i don't know how you even prove that in data you can't that's, so so that's a that's a unfortunately, hard unfortunately but the, like, the R word plus essay is something it's, that's it's existed for all of time. Yeah. Two so, men and woman. And it's well, to a much higher degree women. I mean, so, so statistically I would support that. So I guess, I guess my biggest thing is it's, I think what it creates is like this, this false interpretation in our society of like, like I said earlier, strangers lurking about to try and get you. It's normally people, you know, and, and that's not good either. That's bad. It's just, it's, it's just interesting to see this because you look at true crime and I think it heightens that, strangers are going to attack me narrative or notion, which not to say that's not the case. Look, you can put it down in as simple terms as locking your door, mm. right? I didn't grow up locking my door. Oh, I, I know. know. Yeah, we yeah. know. Yeah, it was just not, we weren't, we aren't going to out you right now. No, but we won't. Well, wait, a, wait, we to out him. wait, out him. yeah, <laughs> he locks his door now. Oh yeah. my goodness. Wow. You are terrible. Anyway, continue. I'm going to no, cut I, that out. I mean, everybody understands what I'm talking about that, especially yeah. those my age. And that's not true. I was out in the country. That was a bit different when I was young. But even even when I started in into the more suburban kind of things, when I got to be an adult, I was like, "Why? What? What are? I mean, just from a sheer percentages standpoint." But but right? also well, compare that to it, us. We often lock it so much that like you'll go out to your car to get something before we record, and we've locked you out. That's not true. Yeah. Okay, I do Hyper- then. Hyperbole. Maybe that's even yeah. okay. Maybe that a better example would be me specifically. If you don't want to be roped into that, I lock the door every time I walk inside. Yeah, I, I regardless. I lock, I lock like, the I door. Just do it that's a simple thing and should be done anyway. Done anyway. But my point is that you know the the 
you got to ask yourself the reason for that change. Is the reason for the change because there's so many more criminals than there used to be? No. No, not as a percentage of the population less. at all. Yeah. Matter, yeah, as a matter of fact, a lot of statistics would say it's a lot less violent than it used to be in a whole lot of ways. I consider it the but, same way I buckle my seatbelt when I get in my car. It's just something and that I never I do. did that as a kid. And I'm not anticipating getting in a car accident every time I get in the car. I'm not anticipating someone barging through the front door and like stealing everything I own either. I've just, it's just one of those things where. It's easy for me to do. It doesn't do anything but just give me an extra layer of security. It's, well, it's it's what it is is it's 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 socially acceptable. Uh, I wouldn't say brainwashing, but socially acceptable, like falling in line with what people are supposed to do, type thing. It's like like the well, the, the correct thing a citizen it's should creating do. Creating habits, yeah, that have been deemed as as a Favorable. responsible thing for individual safety. Mm-hmm. Now, none of them started that way, by the way. No. Seatbelts weren't started for individual safety because it was all about getting a car for comfort. Mm-hmm. Having a belt around your waist, there was no shoulder straps when we started. Having a belt around your waist was not comfortable. They were nasty buckle things. Think about going on an airplane. It was basically those damn things, but like twice as heavy, like putting a chain around your waist. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted to do it. Nobody did it unless they had to until they had to. And they had to. Because of insurance costs. Mm-hmm. That's what it was about. It wasn't about anything. The government and the car company did not care about you or me personally. Well, have they to, didn't even know us. You have to imagine that probably is the same for locking your door. Correct. That's my um, whole point. There's all these things that cascade from there. Yeah. Well, I just think it's, I just think it's interesting. I mean, I, I guess my from, from the opposite end of the spectrum, my observation is, is just you'd think that the reaction from the other demographic, mine, would be similar but it's just not like it's it's when it comes to observing crime statistics and stuff like that like i don't i don't consider very very frequently like do i ever consider it like i'm actually in a dangerous position and i don't mean this since i don't think of like i don't pay attention to like exits and stuff like that like well, some, i do all that some. but but uh, but i mean it from the perspective of like I don't know. Like I just, I've never found myself always thinking that I'm in some sense of danger and it's, and some would say, you know, some would say that non danger privilege. I know that would be the privilege of being, but then again, you are, but then again, you could also say that it's also a luxury to believe that the world is entirely against you. So you can rely on other people. I mean, there, there's two ends of the spectrum. I mean, I could I could also say that I happen to like it when I'm seen as some sort of protector. I mean, there's a lot of arguments that can be applied to it, and I'm not sure why people always jump on it as if it's some sort of me versus you thing. I've always seen everything as collaborative. Like, you and I, we're a team. Like If we have disagreements, we work through it. Same thing with the rest of society. If I see someone who I don't know and there's a catastrophe, I'm not going to like compete with them to try and fix the problem. I'm going to collaborate with them to try and fix the problem. It's the same thing with all these things. Like, if I see someone... My demographic or otherwise who is in trouble, I want to go and help them. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's no longer in in vogue, as they used to say. It's like it's it's just unfortunate because well, I guess that in part depends on what you've decided is your level of risk with any given situation. The helping others is a great example. There are people. There's anecdotes you could read stories about people simply walking by somebody getting stabbed to death on a on a sidewalk simply because they didn't want to get involved for fear of whatever. And that fear was developed over time, probably based on a lot of the kind of things we're talking about, mm-hmm. right? And there are other people that jump in immediately and bad and good things can happen from that. But, uh, you know, is, is, it a, is it a cause or effect? Is it, is it something that is, is the crime itself created from the cyclical nature of the, the input we get over time? 
developing people into something they shouldn't be, or is there more positives to it? Good question. This is a very valid kind of question. Yeah. And, and well, I guess I guess for me, like the reason I feel the way that I do, and I think the way that I do is one because I'm probably been raised in a certain way, but two, like I would rather not live in a world that's apathetic to everything. Like I would just not rather live in a world that's apathetic to one side or the other. Like I think both are viable things, and I think both problems can be solved at the same time. And I, I'm not sure why there's like this disconnect. Like everything is interconnected. Everything is interconnected. There are reactionary instances in every situation. Doesn't matter what demographic you're talking about. One reaction has one cause or causation has a reaction. It is always, always the case. And I just, I wish people would understand that because yeah, it makes things a little bit more complicated, but it also humanizes things. It stops making things dehumanized. It stops labeling people as only this way. So I don't know. That means life, you're not just a character in a show, right? Yeah, it's not some sort of fake simulation. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of cons, and we've discussed them. Um, you know, if you want want to, you know, we can dive into that deeper about true crime. Um, well, yeah, we talked about the stereotypes. Yeah. We talked about the misconceptions of, you know, thinking everyone around you is a criminal or out to get you, and, you know, that's not necessarily the case. As you said, unfortunately... Victims of true crime are often victims of people that they're close to, uh, which is very sad, but statistically true. Uh, True crime stories can also be harmful to the families of loved ones of the victims. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mentioned that briefly with the Netflix Dahmer um, television series, streaming series. Would you even call it? I guess television. Yeah, Yeah. it's like a a streaming Um, series. They came out, at least some of them, and said they didn't want the show to happen. They weren't asked about it. I know in that series there was actually, they had actors come in and depict the victim's families in court when, you know, and and the, the makers of the show I know have argued, and I'm not here to either condemn the show or praise it. I'm really not. I have seen it. Uh, but they they've said that they were trying to make the show about his victims, they weren't trying to romanticize. Here's the thing. The, the internet took it and run with it. Yes, it has been romanticized. It, you know, I know uh, Netflix even got in trouble because they labeled it under the LGBTQ category. And, you know, people were upset about that. And I think rightfully so, because the story wasn't just about, you know, no. LGBTQ is about a man who was killing people and doing terrible things to them during and afterwards. Um, so there's that you, you have, they have to live, relive this trauma. There are some family members of victims who do, however, want this push because maybe they're looking, they want publicity. They're, lo- they're looking for someone who did something terrible to someone they love and they, they want the public to help. So there is that aspect of that too. We're yeah, just talking about also, the cons of it now. It's emotionally yeah, draining. It's traumatic. Uh, well, there's also the, it's like the needs of the many over the, 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 what is, what's the phrase? The, the, the needs of the many over the, the needs of the few or something like that. Like it's, it's well, I, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's, that's the whole decision-making tree where the, the, you know, the decision you make is for the common good instead yeah, yeah. of the, instead of the individual. Right. And, and then you have, you that, have but, to, you have to consider, I'm like, what, what would, uh, the, what would a company as big as Netflix do if they went to the family members specifically in that case, there are, what 30 something victims that they know of, how many family members and loved ones are attached to those people. One person says, this is traumatizing. I can't deal with this being, you know, worldwide, global, even domestically, some sort of hit. 
I can't deal with it going on social media and seeing the, the same meme over and over again of the guy who killed this person I love. Is Netflix just going to be like, okay, well, but then, but then everyone's off the, no one's, but no that's, one, but that's what anymore. an ethical company would do. Well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not arguing. Like, and I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not saying a Netflix is or isn't. I'm just merely implying that. Yes. If you were looking to actually do things, you would listen the to what right the family way, wants. You would respect the rights of the victim. So any yeah, one of them, because one's desire is not greater than the other. Yeah. And that's kind of where I get up on this is it's like, guys, like, for lack of a better term, sometimes society needs to just let these things go. They just need to go. They need to pass into a different existence. Well, then it goes into, again, I mentioned the glamorization, the romanticizing of criminals. We talked about um, this one leans into the fictional slash true crime. Again, you had Zac Efron playing Ted Bundy mm-hmm. in the, I can't remember the she name. She did a of, really good job. Oh, he, he a was a job. fantastic actor in it. Um, but, you know, you took someone who was known as being a teenage heartthrob and you turned him into one of the most disgusting serial killers in American history. Mm-hmm. And you have to, there, there's, there's a whole ethics question here of course, in regards to the victims' families and stuff, and also like how much liability does an actor who his job is to act like a terrible, horrible person, and he did it really well. So he did a great job. I'm not sitting here trying to bash Zac Efron. I'm just saying there's that element of, then you've got the parasocial relationships yeah. turning into an obsession with a character. I, a lot of people start to like actors because of a character they played. Mm-hmm. They, they and begin to think they know them. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a whole other topic that I know you guys want to cover soon, mm-hmm. parasocial relationships. Well, I guess... I, but when yeah. you turn these things into a form of entertainment, there's a difference between a documentary that's trying to explain something that happened in, in the historical context and what it means for, for laws, what it means for culture. I mean, just think about how culturally significant it was that the 70s, 60s, 70s, and 80s were full of these big name serial killers and people started locking their doors and started asking their kids to say when they're going to come home. There was a culture shift there. So there's a difference between that and something like I've talked about the Dahmer and the, the, the evil and mostly despicable, but whatever that movie was, Zac Efron was in turning into a form of entertainment that trivializes or has the potential to trivialize the situation. And unfortunately as the internet always does, it has a way of taking something good and making it horrible. You're yeah. going to have people in every crevice of the disgusting online sphere. We, I don't know what to say other than it's inevitable. Perpetuating the romanticization. I can't say that word. Romanticizing these criminals. And also, not to mention, true crime does have the potential of affecting ongoing real-life investigations that are happening. Again, I'll, for, I'll hopefully the last time I'll bring up those four in Idaho. Yeah, there just, was a ton of stuff that came out before anything has ever happened. I mean, well, it's like they, it's, that's why they put gag orders on these things, which is a legal, you know, that's that's a gen, generic term, but it basically the court says you can't talk to media about this because people are going out of control online. The well, armchair well, detectives are going to jeopardize not only the jury pool, but our investigation. Well, and that's why I think that it's such a, like it's, it's the whole chicken or the, the egg argument. Like, well, like what, which came first humanity's interest in this type of stuff or humanity perpetrating it? You know, I, I guess well, crimes existed. Uh, I, guess, I understand. Yeah. So, and I'm sure there's always been an interest, I guess for me, it's like, there has to be like a logical restraint 
That's what I see it as. There has to be with every individual, a logical restraint, a separation from whatever suspended disbelief that they've brought about in their mind about a real event. There needs to be from a responsibility perspective. If we want this stuff to get less extreme, there needs to be that restraint. And I don't mean that people can't have interests. I don't mean that people can't have groups that they go to. It needs to be like a, <laughs> I don't know. It, 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 doesn't it come down to a first amendment issue then? No, not necessarily. You know, cause, cause yeah. the first amendment doesn't give you the right to break laws. I'm not saying it gives you a right to play. I'm not saying you are. I'm saying that when you use the the term, the kind of responsibility thing, I I'm of agreement, Mm -hmm. but I'm also in the agreement that we should be able to, to talk about basically whatever we want to explore the thought process and the opinion of these, these true crimes with whatever we want to decide is our idea behind them. That the problem is it's like, like you talked about earlier with the system. The system isn't what's broken. It's the people that are doing the wrong things within the system. And it's no different here, I don't believe. It's, it's, it's like, uh, you know, back in the day when there was cable TV were starting, you could, there was a million different channels, and there was, everybody was up in arms because there were channels that were inappropriate for kids. And I remember thinking everybody wanted those channels to be gone, gone, gone. And I said, turn the TV off. Mm-hmm. Don't let your kids watch it. Watch yeah. that stuff. It's the same now. It's we use, need to use our brains as human beings and disseminate what we should and should not be watching for ourselves. Well, that's there what, are things that are not good for well, you as a person, and there are things that are. Well, that's what I'm. You that's what I'm. I'm getting at is I'm. I'm not saying that you like as an adult. You there's not there's a line obviously, and it's like I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about these things. I'm not saying we shouldn't explore them and discuss them heavily. I'm saying like there is that. And then there's showing up at a victim's house. Yeah, there is that the people doing the, something wrong. There is that. And then there's claiming that someone who you think based off of your feelings is the criminal well, who isn't. There is a line. We, and I'm not saying like people can't speculate, but it's like, guys, like slow the roll, let things occur. And if it does, if it's 15 years down the line and we still don't know, then we can have that conversation. If it's five years down the line, maybe. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like there's just a immediate jump. Jump. Well, we've harped on a lot about the negatives involved in true crime and, you know, the, the, the dangers. But there are some benefits to actually maybe consuming some of these things. Of course, this is a case-by-case basis. You, mm. can, you can throw a dice down or you can, you know, hold your finger down on the remote control and flip through the documentaries online and... You yeah, land on one and you'll something. be like, that is the most, yes. you know, disingenuous garbage that's just, you know, victimizing them all over again. And then another one was like, it was really thought out. You can tell they really took the care to to respect the victim and make sure everyone understands like what to look out for. It's different every case. But well, I think, it, yeah, it comes down to bringing awareness. I mean, right. there's there's an awareness aspect to it that, you know important social issues are tied to it, various events associated with it, like the violence of the crime, the injustice, all is brought up. It's all very, very important. I think it's all relevant. Additionally, you know, learning about these issues through crime stories, people can gain a better understanding of how these issues affect individuals and communities and become more motivated to take action to address them. Now, that is a possibility. I'm not sure if it's always the case, I'd like to think it is, but that is a, a positive. Additionally, true crime stories can also serve as, serve as a form of catharsis for individuals who have experienced trauma, which we believe we have touched on. We've, we've touched on it, yeah. Pretty heavily. I think, yeah. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff. People can feel empowerment. They can feel a sense of validation uh, associated with that. 
Furthermore, true crime stories can also provide people with a sense of closure and understanding about a crime that has affected them personally. I also believe, and I think we all can agree here, that true crime can lead to an increased level of critical thinking and problem-solving skills. By analyzing the facts and evidence presented in true crime stories, individuals can develop their ability to evaluate information and make informed conclusions. Interest in true crime can also lead to a desire for justice and a sense of civic engagement. Now, a quick caveat there. Unfortunately, there's a difference between justice... In the legal term? In the legal term. And what people believe to be justice. And I think that's where things get a little muddied. And that's where you go to a jury and they say, do you believe in the death penalty? Yeah. There is there's a there is a ethical line. I'm not trying to draw that line. I'm just saying in individuals' heads regarding justice. You know, the justice that a victim's father of his child that was, you know, taken away from him might feel is very different from the stranger who's sitting in the jury box. Yeah. And, and there's also a very there's different a reason, legal definition, too. There's, yeah, there's a reason why um, judges and juries are there, you know, because justice may mean different things to different people at different time in their lives. You know, justice, how you feel immediately after a crime has been committed may feel differently down well, normally, the road. Normally, I would argue that justice has very little to do with emotions sometimes, especially in the legal term. And I know that's not desirable in a lot of instances for some people. And believe me, I'm right there with you on some cases. Like the guy I mentioned earlier, uh, did that terrible thing to his family up in, was it Utah, Colorado, Colorado? Like, yeah, I believe you don't me. Need to say his name I don't, I'm not going to say his name, uh, but believe me, like it's, it's, I, I get it. Like I, I do it, it again though, like that it, it's, it's almost like if, uh, what's a good analogy I could use for this. It's, it's, it's like getting in the way of someone's disagreement with someone else when it's being handled constructively, like you jumping in to try and solve the problem that those two individuals seem to be solving in a healthy way only muddies the water and makes it more difficult. I'm not saying that you can't have your opinions. I'm not saying you can, can't observe. I'm not even saying you can't provide a, opinion. I'm saying that, you know, there there's like a line where I just feel is consistently crossed. And the more things get hyper, you know, excitable or the more things are hyperbolized, the more it's crossed. And I, I don't know. I don't know how we, how we, do that because more information is not going to hasn't solved the issue and less information definitely doesn't solve the issue because it goes all the way back to our discussion about the uh, recent uh, nature of things starts with the conspiratorial nature of things. It's like, so what's the medium that we can have as a society to balance things out? Yeah. So this interest and obsession in true crime has led to, you know, citizen slews, at least trying some of those things we just talked about uh, positively advocacy for victims mm -hmm. and their families, which sometimes they want and they're asking for. Think about it. Sometimes you hear about like missing children and you see the mother, the father begging for help, like in a press conference. Yeah. That's when oftentimes people feel compelled to really engage in this stuff. And sometimes while the intentions are obviously good, at least for the most part, you know, it can spiral into that, that kind of harassment to someone who is an innocent party. And that's that, that line that is just like, where, where, where's, where is it drawn? Right. And then you have the social issues. We've talked about, um, a lot of people are really concerned about that, especially these days, you got the educational aspect mm -hmm. of it. And then in real life, there have been cases that have been assisted in being solved by people who are engaging 
in the online community of it. For example, Saeed. You got the Adnan mm-hmm. Saeed, who at this point has been uh, his his conviction was overturned, and he is a free man, and he can't be he can't be tried for that again for the death of Haman Lee. And you know, while if we're to agree with the legal system, he's an innocent man, mm-hmm. then. That's great. An innocent man is free. But then there's also this aspect now that Heyman Lee, this teenage girl who was violently killed, now has no justice. Yeah. If he didn't do it, which the legal system says he didn't, then who did? Yeah. And she still deserves that justice. So, but a big part of that had to do with a podcast. I think that one of the first big podcasts cereal, I can yeah. think of, Serial, that really advocated for Adnan and got the public interested. And they also and did think, their they also did their research, right? So, so I and, think there's a there's a, a level of responsibility that that is not always abided by with a lot of this stuff. And you know we're you know three individuals just talking about this speculating but at the same time like i I do think that that should be taken with the utmost care and presented with the utmost care and if we were to do it in every instance that way i know it's a lot more work i know it's more difficult but it would make these instances of misrepresentation of factual basis misrepresentation of someone's identity misrepresentation of the case much less likely well, yeah. And and something like Adnan, thank God, you know, the legal system ruled in a way personally that I feel was appropriate, you know, as of as of late. Um, but that's the exception to the rule. It's not. The oh, rule. of course. I mean, there's people who are guilty who walk free, and there's people who go to jail who are innocent. I mean, there's no denying it's not perfect. It really isn't. Mm-hmm. And I I am not the person to ask for you know the expertise and to no tell more, you what to do mm-hmm. to change it, but. These situations, while those ones are good, they're again, this can result in this harassment of victims' families. You have an interference in ongoing investigations. I mean, it's one thing to say, yes, for example, serial again. You had this ongoing interest in his case, which for the defense, I'm sure was helpful because it seemed that a lot of people were convinced of his innocence, at least from what I've seen online, that was sort of the leaning, but that can interfere with, you know, what if, what if someone I can think of right now, there's, there's several cases that are ongoing and they put gag orders on it on purpose because the more a defense attorney is going to talk to the press or the more the police department that's prosecuting is going to talk to the press, the more you're feeding the flame. There's people online who want to know. And they do have a right to know the basics, at least until the trial. trial. I, I believe that the community, the, at least according to the Bill of Rights and, you know, our, our, our rights, the public has a right to know why the government's arresting somebody. Yeah, but, but I think the, the question on the reverse that is often ignored is the people that are also accused have a right to proper representation and defense and, a lack, and a lack of libel against them and mm-hmm. their character. Mm-hmm. That's how this should work. I get that people are angry, but that's the very common like issue with this. Is like, guys, like there there has to be a restraint because otherwise if any of us finds ourselves in an instance where we're innocent, but it really seems like we're not guess whose life gets destroyed. Well, right. And I think there's, there's some, a seed here 
of um, there's a distrust in detectives and police who are working on cases. And sometimes, you know, the armchair detective thinks they know better. And there have been reasons, like I know the Delphi case in Indiana. Mm -hmm. People look at some of that. I'm not going to get into the depth of it besides like, some people look at that situation and say, why wasn't this solved right away? Because if you look at the information that's out there, it seems like it should have been. And then you look at someone like the Moscow police in Idaho, I'm bringing them up again. They were told they were, you know, not handling it well. And apparently they had all they this information. They handled it. At least from so what far. is out there, they handled it almost flawlessly mm-hmm. because they were, they were onto someone who the public had no idea who this person was. So, so you have that, the glamorizing of criminals, Plus the the true crime, there is something to be said about it affecting one's mental health if you consume it too much. Just like we talked about when we talked about video games. You know your mind better than you, me, or you know, right? Like the person listening knows how it affects them. So you should be wary of that. If you're consuming mental consuming mental health, if you're consuming true crime and feeling like it's negatively affecting you, you're having a hard time sleeping. Maybe you're looking at your friends and family like side-eyeing them, which, I mean, if you don't have any reason to do that besides you're watching a lot of true crime documentaries, maybe you should cut back or eliminate it completely from your life because true crime is, in general, a scary, negative thing. It's not exactly happy ending, typically. Even in the sense of justice, like someone's been convicted and found and is that really a happy ending? Mm-mm. No. So this can be dangerous. You know, just as a note, I, I think one of the major problems that all of this brings up in my mind as you guys are talking through this is the lack of transparency. And not again, not from the systems, but from the people that are guiding or misguiding those systems. And it seems to me that the real problem is that justice really isn't blind. It's got one eye open and, you know, depending on which side of the, uh, the, the aisle you're sitting on about a plaintiff or defendant, that eye is, is focused on finding scapegoats for usually an agenda that maybe not the public or maybe not the individuals really even know. And over time that puts all of us in a position to question things. You know, if, if you're if you're lied to over and over and you think it's the truth and you discover it's a lie, you don't believe those those people well, anymore. Yeah, and I, I think that's uh, here's the thing: is no one no one's ever once said that you need to trust the the people who run the system, and or that you should always trust the system. I would say that that everything points in the direction that you shouldn't. I think a big part of this is I I, I think that there's a segment of society. Maybe I'm being cynical about it. There's a segment of society that like wants to get personal closure from other people's negative circumstances. Oh, 100%. And, and, and here's the thing. What that would suggest to me from an opposition standpoint is you don't have a ton of terrible, terrible things happening then. Well, because because well, my sure. my my personal trauma is mine. I don't want someone else to take it. I don't want someone else to, to look at it and say, well, yeah, but I want it for you. 
because you, that's an overcoming to, nature for me. Don't you want to lessen the impact of your own personal no. trauma by understanding that other people are going through either the same or worse? I don't think it lessens people the do that impact. all the time. I don't think that necessarily lessens the impact. I think it depends on how you observe it. You can you can because make something sit, that happened to yourself an overwhelming central point in your entire life, mm-hmm. or you can figure out a way to understand that it's not. And every single situation is subjective. So if I You're look right. at my situation, and I say that other people understand it and can empathize with it. There is some truth to it. There's also a lot of nonsense to that because what I might find is the thing that is the key to my own overcoming of my trauma is different than everyone else's. But it's almost always based on observing something else. Maybe you, you can't be, you, you can't be subjective without something else to, to bounce it up against and compare. Yeah, sure. But you can also positive or negative. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you should utilize everything as a comparison of how you certainly not. Yeah. But that's what people do. So we're talking about, we're talking about this hyper focused scenario that not everyone goes through that if you've gone through it, like for example, if I'm to look at every single person that has gone through personal family issues, as having the same situation as myself, then I minimize the scenarios that they have gone through and I make it my problem. We shouldn't be doing that. I feel like people do that all the time with things that happen to other people that hasn't happened to them. There's a difference between giving someone a hug because of something that's a problem and there's a difference between finding personal gratification in their issue being solved for them and by proxy being solved because you took attention to it for you. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, again, we're talking about a very fine line between genuinely caring because there was a loss of life or someone was abused or someone was attacked or what have you and taking it on as um, victimizing yourself. Too. Like your own cross to bear. There's and, a difference. and I don't know. It, it really depends on the person. I, but there have been times real life where again true crime interest has resulted and yielded positive results such as a uh, golden state killer mm-hmm. nickname i'm not going to give his real name horrible guy um he was caught a retired investigator and true crime author was able to identify the perpetrator using dna geneolo- genealogy websites that sort of thing a long island serial killer again this Online community of amateur detectives work together to analyze evidence and interview potential suspects themselves. Again, we're talking a lot of gray here, but they help solve the case that way. But the negatives of armchair detective work are enormous. Mm -hmm. And I know we've talked about it a lot so far, but again, Golden State Killer, same guy, was negatively affected because... Not not the guy itself, but the the case itself was negatively effective because a suspect's name was published on an online forum. I'm just using him as example. This is you can name any case under the sun and people are are wrongly accused and doxxed and harassed and you know, it's just, you know, terrible ruins people's lives, especially if uh it starts it can affect their career, it can mm-hmm. affect their families. People go like take off and leave their homes and decide they're going to go start a new life somewhere because they can't take the I mean, pressure. Well, I would, if I, if I had that happen to me, yeah, that's exactly what I would do. And, and some would say, well, what if they are? And I'm like, well, what if they're not? And it comes a point where you, people have to put their trust in the systems in place 
to handle these things in a way that an armchair detective well, can't or I don't think, have the resources. I think the big thing is that in a court of law, you are under the scrutiny of our justice system. If you misrepresent the facts, you get in trouble. If you're an armchair detective and, I don't know, you post on a blog somewhere that you think someone might be responsible and then that person's life is ruined, guess what you seek when it get Guess what you experience when it comes to any negatives? Nothing. Well, you get yeah. nothing. Except for this one person on TikTok I mentioned earlier is getting sued for yeah, but that's, defamation. But that's, but yeah, that's, that's a, one instance. Yes, I know. That is not the rule. The and, other part of that is if you misrepresent the facts in a court of law, you also may win. Maybe. Well, and the yeah. law and that, enforcement the hard part places... You could also get there, disbarred. There's things in place where the community can assist if they think they know something. Like, there's tip lines. Yeah. You can call things in. You can let the police department know if you've seen something or heard something. Those are there for a reason. But oftentimes, if it's just nonsense, you clog the line, well, right? That, and then the law enforcement, they, they've got false leads. Mm-hmm. Uh, their their resources are wasted on chasing down you well, know things that haven't they're just you know you can post anything on a Reddit forum. Their resources are our resources, so that's kind of the thing where it's like there needs to be some level of responsibility associated with these allegations. But I do think one thing outside of the Golden State Killer that we can mention is that there was a documentary that covered an instance that actually did result in a positive outcome um an individual in canada we're going to be omitting his name you can just watch a documentary on netflix uh it's called uh don't um f with cats i think that we can't say the actual name because you Me know <laughs> um if you want the nitty-gritty details you can go and watch it um he decided one day to do some horrible things to animals record it on uh and then publish it online eventually all this escalated to him doing a terrible thing to a some uh, a human being. Now, internet sleuths, um, online investigators played a significant role in capturing this guy in 2012. Um, they recognized him from a video and began an online manhunt using social, social media and other platforms, uh, to share and discuss information and the clues about, his, uh, about his whereabouts. Um, this eventually led to him being identified, uh, which, you know, led to law enforcement apprehending him, um, which was great. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a great instance. But in that same documentary, they do talk about how they did have a huge group of them in this Facebook group that was into this case docs, a wrong person. And I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that person actually took their life yeah. because of it. So you have this very so specific case the where them? there was pros and cons and there was groups of the community who exasperated that problem and those who had good intentions and were just trying to help because there was a real situation where online they seemed to have more information than law enforcement did well and it it was just a terrible i just see i see this i see this as being one of those instances of telephone and you know every game of telephone there's always some donkey in the game that intentionally messes it up for someone. And I can argue all of us has been that person, especially me. It's very funny. <laughs> With that being said, there's always someone that intentionally does something and then hides behind a, well, I misinterpreted or, well, I had good intentions. Everyone always says they have good intentions because it logically makes sense to say that you have good intentions. Why would you say I have bad intentions? I had bad intentions in this instance. Makes no sense. So I don't know. I just think that there needs to be within these communities there needs to be some level of policing and I don't mean in the sense they can't talk. I just mean in the sense that people need to take some level of caution and apprehension with this, this stuff. 
almost said a bad word, because almost every single time without fail, there is some level of doxing of people who are not who are not involved, who have nothing to do with it, and whose lives get somehow just manhandled by the bear that is the uh, or the bull that is in the china shop of the police investigation it's like just 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 take a chill pill guys it's simple as that i think that's the thing that we guess we can all remember is taking a chill pill is better than taking a non-chill pill if that makes any sense how you guys feeling chill i'm feeling chill this is this was feeling like we need a minority report to take care of this that's where it's gonna go people aren't gonna like it Bottom line, listen. AI. Speaking as a AI woman doesn't have emotions in her twenties who does consume true crime content in the sense of I've listened to podcasts, I've watched documentaries. I understand if you feel conflicted. And if you're looking for answers, I don't have them. So Yeah. And, and, and that's all. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think any of us do. And obviously we have our opinions about this. I amongst the three of us am probably a little bit more jaded by it because I can see I can see the damage that it does to people that are just not involved. And the people that are, yeah, one hundred percent. Like I do think they just un- when they are proven to be guilty of the crime, they one hundred percent deserve any consequence associated with it. But up until that point, I just I feel like there needs to be a little bit more caution and care because the thing I'm tired of hearing about as a person like as an individual like you is the people that consistently get roped into this stuff and labeled as part of the the, the problem before any of it is re- resolved. It's like imagine being that one person. How absolutely terrible you would feel about living, not about just existing, about just 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 being. Mm-hmm. Where do you go? Nowhere. Yeah. There's no respite. I think everyone should go watch Family Guy, Milf Manor, instead. Oh my God! I'm yeah, just we're not. Kidding. We're gonna do an episode about that one day. <laughs> wow. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's, I won't go into that. Uh, one. that uh, yeah, well, that, on that is note, that is on on regular television. By yes, the way, I'm not is. talking about anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no. You should go watch like Fox and the Hound. Yeah. Cry, but cry about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the episode. Uh, hopefully, we didn't, we didn't get a little bit, we didn't get too dark. Uh, I know that we had Stardew last week, and now we're back to the darkness, apparently. Um, but yeah, hopefully, you learned a little bit about true crime. Obviously, a lot of this stuff, a lot of people already know, but I thought it would be interesting to you know talk a little bit more in depth about it. I think you provided a pretty good perspective, and well, you know, thanks. hopefully, uh, we can all, as a society, just take a chill pill. Just take a chill pill. Just Embrace go, the chaos. Go touch some grass. Don't listen to the bull. Go touch some grass. Uh, go outside. Enjoy your time. That's what you should do. But uh, yeah, if you haven't liked the content, you have to like this video, go ahead and you uh, you can follow us on Instagram. Our content is, again, at uh, the wolf and bull on Instagram. You can also find our content on YouTube. I did not ask you to subscribe in the very beginning. Why? because <laughs> i think that i think you I, I want you to i want yeah i did you i want you to enjoy the episode uh, i want you to think that this was valuable for your time uh listening or viewing so if you feel like giving us a, a subscription button's gonna be right down there if not you know say hi that's that's uh that's 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 also welcome but yeah we will see you next week thanks for tuning in Thank you for tuning into the Wolf and Bull podcast. Our team here at the Wolf and Bull and Dearmore Media are so happy you spent some time with us. If you liked this episode, please leave a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. 
A review will help grow our show, and we'd love for you to be a part of our family. If you'd like more content from The Wolf and Bull, you can find it at our Instagram, at The Wolf and Bull, and on YouTube and Rumble via The Wolf and Bull. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.